What is the business worth? Welcome to Eden Exchanges. Today we spoke to Michael Kerr of Kerr Capital. Today Michael offers his insight on buying, selling and valuing a business in the Australian market and also discussed key trends he is seeing in the sector as an advisor on business exits. Hear more about what kind of businesses Kerr Capital manages and what it really takes to capitalize on opportunities in the business buying and selling market. Welcome everyone, my name is Raghu and I'm here with Frank Zemus from Eden Exchange. Hello everyone. Today we're joined by Michael Kerr from Kerr Capital. Thanks a lot for joining us today, Michael. Thanks Raghu, thanks Frank. Look, firstly Michael, can you tell us a little bit about what Kerr Capital does? How did the company come about and what transactions do you focus on? Okay, I started in 2002. I came out of a corporate and accounting finance background. I wanted to stay involved with small business found my way into business broking more by accident than design, but I knew you know, I wanted to be around small business. I spent four or five years learning about the art of business broking. And, you know, so I've been at it now for 15 years. I've, uh, you know, kind of got fairly strong thoughts on how you prepare and sell businesses. And I'm, you know, forever trying to evolve that process and make it better for owners. So my focus is very much on business owners. I think they get missed often in the mm-hmm. transactions. It's all about the business. Well, mm-hmm. most of it's actually about the owner and what they want and, uh, or don't want. So we work on uh, selling businesses. We work on buying businesses. We do a lot of advice around the value. What are my options? What should I do next? And look, the value range is probably down at micro level, 50 to, you know, 100, 200,000. That's, we typically do that with a do-it-yourself product that we have. And the tailored advising is between half a million and five million in value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, sure. And in terms of your own background of you know, being in the trenches, running businesses and advisory work, how does that affect your view on getting the best for your clients? And then also might give a different take on how to value a business as well, having that actual proper experience running them. Well, yeah, you know, when you run them and you know, part own them, you know how personal and how how involved you get in the business and how much it means to the owners to get out or get in yeah. in the right way so look it's um yeah i've had a lot of that professional experience in including in startups and you know everything you do uh by the minute each day counts to making the business really valuable so when you when I turn into an advisor i guess i have that empathy with the owners about what they're going through and understand that there's a whole lot of things that they could do to make the business better, more valuable. But it, realistically, it's about which of the 50 things you might do, are you actually going to do to improve the value? Mm-hmm. So you really got to help owners kind of work through a lot of, a lot of uncertainty and say, look, mm-hmm. how about you work these five things? Okay. Um, so just on that, I mean, how long should a business owner plan before an exit? Is there... Should, should it be, you know, is, is, is there a certain time or is it how long is a piece of string sort of question? Look, I think, um, you know, if you've got a month, mm. you can do something. All right. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, if you're an owner, I think a lot of people put off exit planning because they think they've left it too late. But there's mm. always something you can do with good advice. But ideally, to the question, mm. ideally, you know, you're, you're thinking two or three years out. That's, yeah, okay. Yeah, because you've got you've got to get through that hurdle of this is what I want to do. Yep. I need to invest in getting some advice very early on. Yep. And if you're going to fundamentally kind of improve or change the business, mm-hmm. then you've got time to see the results of that work. Yep. So then 
the owners getting sort of tangible yeah. reward for their effort and they can sure. see the potential value. So two to three years. Two to three years. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Ideal. So that really means whenever you're running a business, you know, you're getting you always have to keep with that goal in mind if an exit at some point is is on the agenda. Are there any key principles to try and improve that value? Well I think you've got to understand your numbers in the business. And so in any improvement plan, you know, is going to come back to being able to measure it. And I think most management accounting in most businesses is pretty average. So mm-hmm. they tend to do their tax return or their you know, financial statements every year, put it away. First thing we do is we come in, we put four or five years on a page and go, what are the trends here? So, yeah, before you start to do anything, understand where you're going to get the most impact. Yeah. One of the simple things we do is uh, reformat the financials and, and put the expenses from highest to lowest. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at a spreadsheet, uh, typically with the accountants, it's A to Z, you know, the chart of accounts. Yeah, so yeah. it's all over the shop and it's like, yeah. what is this telling me? So yeah. And you find out pretty quickly that wages, rent are usually the highest expenses. Yeah. So improvement, can I get more from my staff or mm-hmm. more efficiency or cut costs? Mm-hmm. So if you go through the expenses that way, I mean, if you're in a manufacturing or, a, you know, with the cost of goods sold as mm-hmm. well, I mean, there's obviously very big, potential savings from yep. sharpening up your cost of goods sold. But I think it's starting at the top and yep. you know, typically your rents, you know, uh, for a lot of businesses are pretty inflexible. Yep. So you go to the next line down yep. and look at... So is that what you find most businesses struggle with? Is it that sort of, I guess, kind of cash flow sort of problem? I mean, what's holding up money? And Look, there's a lot of businesses that are kind of stayed and, you know, doing things mm-hmm. the same way. Yeah, cash flow is yep. always an issue... But there's not many businesses where that's not an issue. I guess the question I'm kind of saying is how does a business get bigger? I mean, usually, especially smaller businesses, they hit a ceiling and they just, owners don't know, okay, I've reached this point. But obviously, they're working a lot on the business. In the business rather than on the business. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I guess, you know, how does a small business owner get to a next stage with that? Well, look, I think a lot of the time it's about. Um, understanding, you know, who, can you sell more to your key customers? Do you need, you sure. know, right at the top level, top line yeah. revenue? You know, yep. can I find new customers? We, you know, improving the value of the business, one of your earlier questions here, yep. we didn't get to revenue and it's, yep. you know, can you find more customers? Typically it's going to involve, a, you know, an investment in more people or mm-hmm. better marketing or more yep. or mm-hmm. additional marketing. And I think we're so dominated by small and micro businesses mm-hmm. That there are opportunities in every business to, yeah. you know, to take more sales from competitors. Yeah. But focus and it, perhaps professionalism in marketing and advertising sure. and business development. Sure. Thing. And you mentioned that micro business trend. Are there any other key trends you're seeing in, in the industry that sellers and buyers should be really watching out for? So any sectors or any advice for businesses in these sectors as well? Look, I, I think we're at a point where. The, and Frank and I were just chatting before about mm. franchising and, mm. you know, the growth mm. in interest. And I, NAB announced yesterday 6,000 jobs 6, going. Yep. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I reckon there's, there's going to be a – there is a, you know, a, a surge in interest from people wanting to do their own thing. So mm. I, I think that's good for potential sellers yep. because it, I think there's going to be – I think we've been in, in a bit of a lull for four or five years, of, you know, mm. starting to come off that really strong financial certainty into – I think more of uncertainty. Uh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And I think we're going to see 
a real uptick um, in interest in buying or starting something. Without a doubt, we're seeing it. So we're seeing on one side people getting phased out of things like manufacturing, even mining, and now it looks like fintech is sort of replacing some traditional finance jobs. So from that, we get inquiries for people wanting to buy businesses or franchises. Mm. On the other side, you see there's, there's a lot of talk about a baby boomer exit yeah. from businesses, but we're also seeing the opposite occurring with baby boomers who are leaving work or businesses getting into other businesses. Mm. So from that end, um, we're, we're seeing a lot of interesting trends there. I mean, do you have a take on this baby boomer style exit? that's in the market or theorised to be in the market? Yeah, I don't think we're seeing in the business sale environment, I don't think you know, we're seeing the effects of that yet. I think a lot of business owners, baby boomer business owners, are deciding, you know, some of them are deciding maybe I'm not going to be able to find a buyer, so I'm just going to hang in there. And yeah. I, I think there's a realisation with a lot of the market, it's great too. Mm. If you want to continue to run your business and even shrink it or, Mm-hmm. you know, sell part of it. I think that's that's great. A lot of owners are are really tied up emotionally and personally with their business. And, yeah. you know, they hear a lot of advice to sell and be ready, but I think there's also a realisation, maybe I can I can just stick at it for a while. Sure. So that, that I think that's a real trend. I think a lot of, I think there's um, another, I read some interesting research where a lot of the logical buyers for, a lot of these baby boomer businesses are baby boomer owners themselves. Yeah. So they're also thinking of getting out. So yeah. I think that's another reason perhaps why we haven't seen it translate yet to massive amounts of businesses for sale. Yep. Yeah. No, I think there's a lot of off-market activity yep. that we just don't see. Sure. Sure. And we're also, the other one we're seeing, you know, because of population trends, immigration trends, there's a, there's a chunk of the market being supplemented by people who one side may have come into the country looking for a job and may have worked in not the best job for a while transitioning to business or the other one is people coming in with significant money straight away buying businesses so in some ways that's sort of counteracting some of these baby boomer trends just by the demand it's creating i mean do you see any of that going on in terms of the internationalization of the aussie marketplace as well yeah, look, if you look out, I do quite a bit of work out in the regions yeah. and there are people prepared to make the move to buy a, you know, a solid retail business mm-hmm. out in the region. So, yeah, and I've seen, I've sold um, businesses to Vietnamese, Chinese, Indian. So they have definitely been more active and prepared to move to buy a good value business. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So I think the employees currently in corporate who are starting to think, well, maybe my job's not so secure, I guess to... Uh, show their their um, colours in in the coming years and and start to be a bit more active in looking and buying For new business. Yeah, new yeah. Business. interesting. And, and I guess that's that's our audience too. I think a lot of people sort of listening out there are looking to to buy a business or, or a franchise. As, as far as due diligence goes, I mean, what do you recommend? I mean, obviously that's it's a wide sort of scope, but I mean, three or four sort of key steps. Uh, you look at for someone buying a business. Yep. Yeah. I think the, the whole process for buying and selling is pretty haphazard. Yep. So I reckon that you can spend a lot of money on professional advice too early. So I think it's about anybody that's going to spend two hundred, five hundred thousand, a million dollars on the business really has got to be sort of competent about understanding what the numbers are yep. and what the business opportunity is before getting their professional advice. So uh, due diligence 
But look, you've got to look at the numbers, but I think you've got to look behind the numbers and sure. work out whether you're buying from someone who's fundamentally telling you the, facts. the, the, the story, yeah, you know, the yeah. right story. You know, there's all sorts of ways to, to validate, you know, whether the numbers in the, the statements are true, yep. you know, both in a, in a formal sense by getting an accountant to check it, but also yep. by doing your own counts and checks of the business. Yep. So I think you know, a lot of it's about the owner kind of progressing because you can spend an awful lot of time on these deals. So you've got to be able to progress them all to a point where you go, yeah, this is shaping up as a pretty good opportunity. And then there's always formal or should be formal accounting or financial due diligence, some legal due diligence. But don't spend, you know, don't get that too early. That's the, I think, inexperienced buyers. How far far out, I mean, do do you think, what's too early Look, I, I tend to, to say to people that get, get the deal to the point where you've, you've probably met with the owner, you've, you've got a good sense it's a good opportunity, okay. and you say to the owner, this has got to go get some advice now from my yeah. lawyer. Or okay. So you know, that might be a month before yep. you do a deal, it might be three months. Yep, um, yep, yep. Yeah. So you, you, yeah, so you've gone with your own research some part of the way and you're genuinely interested in it and you want to um, pull the trigger, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think. Look, I think if you and the owner, like yeah. the two parties, you know, who, who are buying and selling, yeah. can get together and say, "Look, this looks yeah. like a, an okay deal." Yep. Yeah. That's the point. Okay. That I usually say yeah. that you know, start to get serious now. Yep. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and interesting, you say, like, apart from the accounting, do your own research on the numbers. Mm. Is that I don't know. I mean, if it's a retail business, I mean, do you sit half the day in the shop or something, or or, well, or a cafe, or or well, people, yeah, well, people yeah. do that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And uh, you know, if, if it's a, it, and if it's a, a a business, it's hard to do something like that. Yeah. I think your due diligence is actually yeah. trying to work out whether the owners okay. fundamentally, if it's a professional services business, yeah. you can look at you know, clients. Are they happy with the work? Yeah. Uh, can I meet some yeah. of them? That's you know? yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, there are there are always ways. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. And there's also like because the advice you're giving now is you know really upfront, and within the industry like. Broking or advisory, you know, reputations can be either really good or, or on the other end, really bad. I mean, and from your end, you know, what makes for a really good advisor or broker? Well, look, I think it's a given that you've got to have, you know, the technical mm-hmm. advice covered. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the financial evaluation and, and how mm-hmm. to get the deal you mm-hmm. know, structured and done. I think commercial trust, honesty has to be a given. You know, for me as an advisor, I'm always looking to work with whether they're sellers or buyers that I can fundamentally trust. Yeah. And so you you have to find that out yeah. by meeting and, yeah. and getting to know them a little bit. doesn't mean you become best friends, but it <laughs> means yeah. you, all the transactions take time and they're hard yeah. and they're draining, so you've got to be working with yeah. people. I, I guess I guess if they're sort of keeping information from you or something like that, that's always not a pretty good sign, is it, right, right at the that, start? Yeah. 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 It's yep. often hard. Like owners that can be fiercely independent, that's why they're successful and that's mm-hmm. why they got to where they are and they do find it hard to trust. Yeah. Look, in the end, I've seen it quite a lot where if they withhold information or try to do something themselves, yeah. it, you know, it falls apart. So, yeah. you know, if they've got a good advisor, yeah. they'll sit side by side with them. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll have some empathy for the position they're in and they'll, they'll have open, honest discussions about, yeah. look, the process is not going so well, we need yeah. to ramp it up yeah. or it's going really well. But, you know, this is likely what's going to happen now. We're going to go into a bit of a lull because the buyer is going to go away and have a think mm. about it. Yeah. So you have to be, you have to sit beside your clients yeah. 
and you have to allow them to ask all the questions, in fact, yep. encourage them, because yep. other than the deal, yep. there's a lot of emotion and you know, personal stuff that goes on that I think to comp- be a good advisor, you've got to understand that and address it. Sometimes you've got to be quite firm and say, yep. well, that's, you know, well, no. Not working. Yeah, <laughs> Not yeah, working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So business is really personal in that way. So it's, it's, it's a mixture of, you know, you're talking about a mixture of psychology and Almost mentorship, counselling, counselling, the whole whole gamut of things there, isn't it? Not just valuation on its own. (laughs) If you're in the few hundred thousand to five million, you're in the land where the businesses are dominated Hmm. typically by the founder or the owner. And, you know, they've been in business a long time, a lot of them. And it means, you know, there's issues of legacy. They're concerned about staff in some cases. They're concerned Hmm. about customers or clients. So, yeah, you can get... The numbers are part of it, but yeah. it's it's shepherding them through all that those questions about am I doing the right thing for me, yeah. for the staff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. So so basically, look, we we touched on the economy before, and there's a bit of doom and gloom out there in, in the Australian economy at the moment. Um, what we're finding in Eden Exchange is that services are, are, are booming. Just you know, both couples are working. There just isn't enough time to the the home serve the household chores, etc. What other industries are you experiencing where there's, there's a bit of growth? Yeah, I think in and around food, there's a lot of potential. I mean, food, beverages, mm-hmm. I mean, the massive growth in craft food, craft yep. coffee, craft beer, everything. Yep. Like that. And that, a lot of those are, you know, really intensive and, and hands-on. But, you know, the bar keeps getting raised and people want, you know, it's a service, you know. Yep. People want better high-quality yeah. food. So I read a lot about, you know, the weekly times and there's lots of, you know, micro farms and small farms producing, okay. you know, niche products and, and value adding to it. So yeah. I'm pretty excited about their prospects there. So mm-hmm. that's for particular kind of people, you know, high quality professional services. I think the days of, you know, we can see it with mm-hmm. accounting, if you're just doing tax returns, yeah. that might be okay, but you, you haven't got a a long-term no. business model. If you're servicing business owners with finance advice or business broking or growth advice, mm. advertising, marketing, I think we're going to see more and more SME owners mm-hmm. and more of them are going to be inclined to outsource things. So, sure. th- again, services to, yep. Yep. to yep. small business. Yep. Um, and it could be you know, it could be printing. It could be yep. office supplies. I mean, there's you know any number of things. Look, online remains yep, incredibly definitely. ripe. Yep. You can, you can, you know, if you pick a niche, you, you, you've got a global market. Yeah, um, and it's there's, easy. There's and a few success the, stories there, aren't there? Yeah. 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 And yeah. one of the things I always, I have people come to me regularly and I also like the idea of looking at the less glamorous industries are not so obvious. Yep. And there's a lot of businesses around that are, have a little, you know, a geographic niche, yeah. a monopoly in some sort of market, and yeah. a lot of them aren't going to be ever uh, publicly advertised for sale. So it's about yeah. knocking on doors. Yeah. We were just having a conversation earlier about a niche industry, and uh, there's one business where they're taking from hairdressers and recycling their materials, which I thought was a fantastic idea. Yeah, there's a lot of niche ones there. I mean, uh, any example, say, transactions you're on now, where you, you're in these sectors. I know you're doing one with honey. I know you're yeah, doing certain other sectors as well. Yeah, I mean, we've got a, a native nursery that specializes in growing manuka honey trees. Okay. So that's you know an example of one of those. We're, 
that we're also, you know, we're working, uh, one of the other areas I think of really significant opportunity is in tourism, you know, at destinations, people are also traveling yep. a lot more freely a lot, and a lot more. And we're, we're working with a couple of businesses in Tassie, one in uh, Coles Bay, which is a beautiful tourist Lovely destination. And it's, a, yeah. yep. it's a business that's been there for 30 years. Yep. We've also just completed some work with a niche craft bread maker yep. and retailer. We're not going to be on the market with that for about 12 months. We're going back yeah. to do some improvement but yeah. you know there are examples of businesses that are you know in food in tourism yeah. Yeah. and endless opportunities in, in you know as people move around more destinations fantastic the tourism one's an interesting one isn't it because i think a lot more people are, are traveling i think cruises have, i mean a lot more people are sort of taking cruises where it was just a luxury sort of item you know many years ago Yes, just specifically, what, what around the services in, in tourism? Or? Yeah, I do. Um, we we sold a, a specialised um, accommodation provider okay. in uh, Hepburn Springs last year, yeah. okay. and you know they they had their marketing really worked out. Had a great brand. Yeah. It took us a while to sell, but it's it's continued to thrive under new ownership yep. because it had a, a brand and an yep. identity, and yep. um, it was in a, a highly competitive tourism market but yep. it was successful because it it uh, had a brand yep. you know it had you could want a brand yep. had all the right booking systems had integrity yep. um yeah so that was which is, which is a good segue to the next question which is i mean what makes a really good buying opportunity i mean that's the big question yeah I mean, and then and it's always hard and there's a lot of different theories about you know ebit and percentiles and multipliers mm. but in general what do you think makes a good buying opportunity i've i reckon if you go back in the process a bit, it's for, for the buyer to be really clear on what they're interested in mm-hmm. and what they're capable of doing. Mm-hmm. So the, the returns might be massive in fintech, for mm-hmm. example, but if you're going to go into a business, you're going to, you're going to be working for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got to, it's got to be sustainable. You've got to have a clear sense of why you're doing it. And you've got to have, you know, I, I think fundamental interest and capability in that particular sector so you know yeah. before it's great you know people want to buy you know funky coffee shops yeah. and they fail really yeah, quickly yeah. because it's a hell of a lot harder than everyone yeah. realizes so so you get to criteria right and then you know growth industry is what you're after yeah or you know also factor that in then um what makes a good buying opportunity is making sure that the sellers actually fair income about selling because you can sure. <laughs> You can blow a lot of time and money sure. on that. And then you go to, can I finance it? Yep. Does it make enough mm. money? Yep. That comes back to that stuff we spoke about earlier, which is you've got to understand the numbers. It's not that hard, yeah. but financials can be very mm. confusing. Yep. And people can get all sort of caught up on EBITDA and EBIT and yeah, yeah. Cap, cap rates. And yeah. You've got to understand. I always try to make it as simple as, What's left after everybody else in the business has been paid? So what's left, what's okay. discretionary yeah. so that there's enough room to pay yourself a salary yeah. as well as get a profit yeah. from the business? But, you know, if you just strip out what everyone else has been paid, this yeah. is the revenue we can expect. Yeah. That's what's left. Yeah. It gives me a bit of room to invest in the business as sure. well, ideally. Yeah. So. yeah, it's also the case you mentioned. Like, we see a lot of people get into these businesses on one side, it can be just pure out of passion. Oh, I like cafes, yeah. so I'm going to go into yeah. there without realizing the margins can be, you know, wafer thin. Mm. But there's also the case on the other side that 
you can have the numbers, but you have to actually enjoy that industry. You have to be willing to go in there every day to build it without, you know, getting bored of it or just losing focus. And that's often picking something you actually like. I, I think I agree 100%. Yeah, it's if, well, you might as well be in a job. Yeah. Yeah. If, you know, and get paid probably yeah. more and, and more securely. So yeah. I, it, we're talking about, you know, small business ownership, but, you know, I think it's a great opportunity to create wealth. Yeah. It's, but you have to work hard, and to do that, you have to be very clear on what you're doing. Mm. And, and for a lot of people, it's about enjoying. Mm. And I think that's why the rise of all these craft businesses, people go... Mm. I don't want to drink VB. Like, you know, nothing wrong with VB. <laughs> nothing wrong with it. Want, yeah, nothing wrong with it. But yeah. I want to make something, yeah. put my stamp on it. No, yeah. yeah. that's the, you know, the, you've got to recognise at a point that becomes really hard to keep pumping out yeah. this really great beer when you're facing all the hurdles of trying to get into pubs and, yeah. you know, yeah. bottle shops. But yeah. but it, it's definitely, you know, you, you're going to go further if, yeah. you're, if you're interested. Yeah, absolutely. There are probably, you know, probably exceptions to that, but... I think mm. for most of us, we want to enjoy who our clients are going to be or the yeah. product we're making or mm. the service we're providing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we, we work with a lot of franchisors and unequivocally now I can say across the board that they're all looking for, for people people. So it's so, a so customer service oriented type of, of people who are going to, you know, be communicative, be transparent, can advise, be consultative. Is, is that is that what you're sort of finding as well from from, from business, uh, you know, from, from people sort of selling businesses or? Yeah, look, I, I think the you know, you know the right people employed mm. with you mm. is also, you know, they, they're going to say is this a good work environment yeah. to be in? So, yeah. I mean, the wages are the biggest cost in every business, sure, including the owner. So, yeah. if you, I don't know, you can yeah. probably read a thousand Harvard case yeah. studies on on productivity and, and but ultimately if if you've got a good bunch, of, a good team, yeah. um, I think your business is so much better set up for success, and sure. you know, for, for the sort of hard times. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of businesses out there that are that go really nicely. They could be more profitable or bigger, yeah. but you know, the owner and the team have decided yeah. it's good. Sure. You know, we, we can go away on the weekend and. Yeah. It's a lifestyle. Sort of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's yeah. Sometimes it's it's more. They recognise that what they've got's really good, and it might mm. might actually be more, you know, better than the typical, you know, notion mm. of lifestyle. It might yeah. be quite profitable and healthy, yeah. and okay. it's more like that under management thing. Okay. And uh, those guys, why are they ever going to sell a business like that? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's also depending on what that person classifies as success, you know, and that you've got to clearly understand that before you do any of these type of. Do you mm. want to be, you know, the next Mark Zuckerberg, or are you really going to be happy with a very profitable business that's doing well or do you want to you know, have time for yourself so i mean there are variables within that but i think it's really knowing what you want and what you can go after is a, is a key point yeah look i, I couldn't agree more hmm. and you know, and if you you know the you know, to go down uh, this path of i want to you know i want to find the business and hmm. make a bucket load of money now that works yeah. for some people right? sure. for a lot of others it, yep. they're probably um particularly first-time or inexperienced owners, there's going to be all these hurdles and challenges. So Mm -hmm. what's going to sustain you through those is like a fundamental alignment of yourself with what you're doing in the business and good people. So that includes good clients. Work work with good people. 
that's different for everybody, but it, I, I agree, Rachel, sure. it's, it's so but, important. But, uh, Michael, it's been really interesting, um, and this is a chance where you get to sort of plug yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, really, I mean, if, if you want to reach out to Clear Capital, yeah, yeah, yeah. what will be the next steps for anyone? Yeah, yeah. The, the easiest way is to go to uh, kerrcapital.com.au. Um, we've just, just launched our new product called the Business Owners Diagnostic, which I'm really excited about, and it's for owners of businesses that are thinking of selling but really not quite sure. We're not in this to drive business sales for us. We're in it to give impartial expert and professional advice about what the business might be worth, where they could tweak it to make it better, mm -hmm. but, but most importantly, checking in with the owner on what they really want to do mm -hmm. and when. And, and not what we want to avoid is owners thinking they're going to sell and rushing to the market because they someone tells them we'll just get it on and see what happens, which mm -hmm. is a recipe for disaster. Yeah. So yeah, you know, we're incredibly proud of you know this new product and looking forward to working with lots of owners to you know to set them up and yeah. and, and in most cases refer them to other brokers okay. who are specialised. Is it a download? So so you go onto the site and uh, oh no, there's a a long description of the product on okay. the site okay. uh, under business uh, business mm -hmm. owner diagnostic and if yeah. they want to send through some information there's a, a contact us form okay but uh yeah we're you know it's as i say it's about using all that uh, 15 years of experience yeah. to package it up and say we want to help owners make a good choice yeah. and and as i say most times we're going to go look that's that's the kind of business that these particular brokers would probably do really yeah. well we're going to gear the owner up to make the right decision and a lot of times they're going to say no i might actually hang in here for another couple of years and, yeah. and we go good <laughs> that's what you want to do yep you want to sell great yeah all right fantastic i mean we do encourage anyone interested to go check that out on the kerr capital website and also reach out to michael kerr for any more info or a discussion about it apart from that look been very good chatting today, Michael. Hopefully, it's not the last time we want you back on here for a few more episodes, at least. Yeah. Thank you, Raghu. Thanks, Frank. I, you know, welcome the opportunity to come back anytime. All right. Brilliant. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Michael. Eden Exchanges was brought to you by the team at Eden Exchange. In this episode, we spoke to Michael Kerr of Kerr Capital. For more information on this or any other episodes by Eden Exchanges, head to EdenExchange.com or www.businessbuyinvest.com. You can also find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram for recent updates on the buying and investing business world. You can subscribe to the series on iTunes or Stitches if you're using Android. Thanks for listening. <laughs>